You guys uh, pray with me as we get started. Um, Father, I thank you so much again for these folks and for bringing us together this morning. Um, during the next few minutes as we uh, take a look at your word and discuss uh, the topic of spiritual gifts, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would give me the words to say, that you would uh, open my mouth to say what you want me to say, and that you would have said what you want said, and that you would open our ears to hear uh, the word that you want us to hear. And I pray that you open our hearts and our minds, that in hearing we would know Jesus Christ. We know that your Holy Spirit's all about that. And so I pray, Father, that you do that this morning and that you change us and that you give us wisdom to use our spiritual gifts for your glory. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So today we're talking about spiritual gifts. Um, it was originally not, I guess, the, the Are You Serious series ended last week. Today is kind of a filler, but it, it kind of fits in anyway. So we're kind of asking the question, are you serious about your spiritual gifts? Um, so before we get started, spiritual gifts, that topic to me brings up several things. So I just want to clarify what we're talking about this morning. Um, so I was, I was kind of preparing and thinking about what are some of the questions and tensions and mysteries that come along with the topic of spiritual gifts. And right away, you probably know what they are. Uh, right away, tongues, healing, miracles, these things we, we maybe associate with, with the spiritual gifts. We want to know if that stuff is real, if it ever was real, and if it was real way back when, is it still real today? And if so, like, uh, why don't we see it all the time? Right? So I want to go ahead and put that out of the way. We're not talking about that today. So I'm not going to be able to answer that question because that's just not what we're doing. So uh, those are probably good questions, and you should take a look at them, but that's not what we're doing today. Uh, another question that we, we have with spiritual gifts, and if you grew up in a Baptist church like I did, uh, you, or maybe other churches too, but I grew up in a Baptist church, and we did a lot of these in the youth group, the spiritual gifts test, right? So you have like a bunch of multiple choice questions, and then you like add up your scores, and it tells you what spiritual gifts you had. It's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but uh, today we're not, I'm not going to help you find out what your spiritual gift is, probably. And don't look on your bulletin. There's not a spiritual gift test there. So. <laughs> so that's not what we're doing today. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about spiritual gifts today. I'm talking about how we use them. Are we serious about them? Um, I guess I'm, I'm really trying to get to two questions or answer two questions for us. Um, number one, why, and this kind of refers back to the other two questions, why are we Christians so concerned about clarifying which gifts are valid and identifying which spiritual gifts we have. You know, I, I, I don't know if you are. I'm not saying that everybody in here is, is just consumed with that. But I've seen that like, we spend a lot of time, a, a lot of time doing that, um, trying to figure out what, we can do, like, what spiritual gift we have, if we're hospitable or if we're you know, generous or if we have the gift of tongues or, or whatever. And, and we want to know what it is, we want to know if they're real, and we want to know what ours is. So why are we so concerned with clarifying which gifts are real and which ones we have? And number two, uh, what are they for, the spiritual gifts? What are the spiritual gifts for, and what are we supposed to do with them? So that's what we're talking about today. So I'm going to begin with question one. 
Um, why are Christians so concerned about clarifying which gifts are valid and identifying which ones we have? And then we're going to spend a lot of time in, in 1 Corinthians 12 today. There's basically three passages in the New Testament that really you know, talk about the spiritual gifts, and that's uh, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to spend some time in 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to start with uh, verse 1 through 3. If you want to turn there. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one, who can, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. This is what I'm going to just call the foundational gift. It's in verse 3. And I think we or I in the past, I don't want to lump you guys in with me, you might already have all this figured out, but I in the past go to the spiritual gifts passages, kind of jump over the first part to get to the spiritual gifts, look at the list, try to figure out which ones are still going on and which ones I have. But right here in in verse 3, we see what I'm calling the foundational gift. What is the foundational gift that's noted in verse 3? It says that we are even able to say, Jesus is Lord. We can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit. This is a gift from God, that you're able to say Jesus is Lord. Uh, Excuse me. So what gives us the ability to say that? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not our own intellect. It's not our research and and our thing that, that leads us to some end to make the conclusion that Jesus is, in fact, Lord. No, it says that the Holy Spirit, no one can say Jesus is Lord except for the Holy Spirit. Nobody can claim that he's their Savior without the Holy Spirit. I think Paul puts it, this is a letter from Paul to the Corinthians, but in another letter to the Ephesians, which we just spent a lot of time in not too long ago, uh, he says it really well, or he explains this really well, how that works out. And this is in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 16 through 21. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, that are the riches, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. Uh, so it's the Holy Spirit who enlightens the eyes of our hearts to even be able to know who Jesus is, to even be able to to see that he is our Lord and Savior. It's the Holy Spirit first having to do a work in us and open and enlighten our, the eyes of our hearts to be able to see that. You cannot do it without him. So maybe I sound like a broken record, but that's the foundational gift. And that spiritual gift, if you're a Christian, we all have it. That's a common gift, the Holy Spirit. We, we know that when we spent plenty of time in Ephesians to get this, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit when we, at the time of our salvation. Why do I bring that up? This is, a, I, I, like I said, it's a foundational gift. I think that we far too easily overlook that gift. And that we often look like, this is what I'm going off of for me, again, okay, in the past maybe, is that I've known far too little about the Holy Spirit. And the things that I do know about him, I associate with the, the big workings, you know, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. And like healing and miracles and tongues 
and all this sort of thing. And I associate them with these particular passages probably because they're called spiritual gifts. And so I'm like, what's the Holy Spirit? Look up spirit and go to a passage that talks about spirit. There's the Holy Spirit, right? I don't know. So for me, in the past, is I've known far too little about who the Holy Spirit is and what his function is. And the place that I look for him is in the spiritual gifts, right? And so, but I think we far too often overlook uh, this foundational gift that we already have the Spirit. So I think that's a problem. That's what I'm saying, is that we spend a lot of time trying to figure out which gifts are valid and which ones we have because we're looking for evidence that we are, in fact, saved, that Jesus is, in fact, our Lord, that we've been sealed, that we got the ticket, you know? Um, and so we want to know our spiritual gifts because we want, to, we want to see something happen in us. We want to see God working in us so that we know. This is good news. Is you don't have to go look for your spiritual gifts, like your, these various spiritual gifts, to know that. If you're able to say that Jesus is Lord, if you have believed that he is who he says he is, and that he was who he said he would, was, and that he has done what he said he would do, and that he's your Savior, and that he died on the cross, he lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again, and that that saved your life, and that that is lo- the loving Jesus, that he's real, and you're able to say he's my Lord, the Holy Spirit's in you. That's a miracle in and of itself that you're able to say that because something had to enlighten you, and that's the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So this leads us to the next piece. Uh, we, we do have a variety of gifts, and that's what we are normally talking about when we talk about the spiritual gifts. So we're going to look at First uh, Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, which is the next little chunk there. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of services, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So, the foundational gift of the Holy Spirit is a common gift. It is given to everyone who believes. Uh, In fact, it is the gift that gives them strength to believe, or gives us strength to believe. Uh, But these other gifts... Spiritual gifts are different. They're a variety, and we each are given different ones. So the next question we're going to deal with is what are they and what is their, what's their purpose? Uh, no matter, let's see, what are they and what are their purpose? Um, like I said, I'm not going to answer the question by listing a bunch of gifts and telling you what they do. Um, I don't think that's the point of the message because there's not an exhaustive list of gifts given here. Okay? Um, so... I'm trying to get to the point of it. We're not going to. So when we're asking what are they and what are their purpose, we're not going to list them all. Instead, we're going to look back to verse seven, which we just read, where it says, "To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good." Okay. So no matter what gift you are given, it is a a manifestation of the Spirit, and B is for the common good. And we're going to look at those two things real quick. So, why are we given a manifestation of the Spirit? 
I'm going to go back to the thing we just talked about. If it's not for us just to prove to ourselves that we're saved. Okay? So why are we given a manifestation of the Spirit if it's not to prove to ourselves that the Spirit is in us? It's a good question to ask, then, uh, what is the Spirit's function? Um, and we just said this a little bit ago. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's function, what he does, is make Jesus known. All right? That's what he's about. That's what he's done in you. If, if you're a Christian, if you can say Jesus is Lord, it, we just read it. It was the Holy Spirit. He enlightened your, the eyes of your heart so that you could see Jesus. All right? And so what, what function might he be doing if he's giving us each spirit, or a manifestation of the Spirit? Also, to make Jesus know. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, if he manifests himself through me in any way, it's for the purpose of making Jesus known. Uh, to me, it, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not saying that we don't see some proof of the Holy Spirit in our life through, our, through the use of the spiritual gifts. We do. Just saying, let's not, let's not go seeking spiritual, what our spiritual gifts are to prove to ourselves that we're saved. There's proof way before we ever have to do that. Um, so, so he manifests himself through me and through you in your spiritual gifts so that Jesus is made known to me, to you, and to others. So there's a constant reminder of those, of whose we are in his manifestation through, uh, through our gifts. Um, so the next question. What does it mean uh, for it to be for the, that it is for the common good? So there's a manifestation for the common good. Uh, another passage, like I said, Ephesians 4 and Romans 12 also talk about this. So we're going to jump over to Ephesians 4 for a second because uh, another passage uh, that speaks about these gifts is there. Uh, and, it, and it also uses the same body language that uh, Corinthians talk, that Paul uses in Corinthians. So uh, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So here in Corinthians we see that you know, the purpose of the manifestation of the Spirit in each one of us, the purpose of our gifts, is for making Jesus known and is for the common good. Um, and I just think this clarifies it a little bit. So each part, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. I think that's interesting. So, uh, so the Spirit, who is all about making Jesus known, gives us different functions and gifts, uh, each a manifestation of himself, so that we would build ourselves up, the church, in love. And it's pretty cool because then we go back to the Corinthians, and if you kind of just jump ahead, we're going to jump ahead for a second, we'll come back, chapter 13, you know, Chapter 12 kind of leads right into 13. It's one letter. It's all about love. You may have heard it at a wedding or anytime anybody talks about love, Christian love, right? But we're going to go to chapter 13 and read this. So we're asking the question, what does it mean for us to build ourselves up in love? What does that, what does that mean? So chapter 13. I'm just going to read it as a short chapter. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love... I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. 
Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, but we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a, mi- a mirror dimly, but then, the face, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The chapter on love tells us all about how all of our spiritual gifts really don't matter if they don't have love behind them, first of all. And then really kind of lays out for us what real love looks like. And so, excuse me. Uh, We jumped ahead there because we just read that the Spirit is manifest in each one of us to make Jesus known to us, each other, and the world through different gifts for the common good or so that we could build ourselves up in love. So what better way to understand it than to read that love chapter, right? Uh, Like I said, it, it tells us all about what love looks like and it leads me to the question, who looks like that? Who exhibits that kind of love? There's only one answer, right? It's Jesus. I mean, that's, that's the only person that we, we could put our finger on that, that actually exhibited that. So, could we, the church, who the Holy Spirit is manifesting through, in order to show what Jesus looks like to all of us and to others, show the world what the love of Christ looks like, could we do that unless we had a diversity of gifts? I don't think we could. Because if we go back through that chapter, it's, most of that doesn't matter unless we're diverse. You know, uh, Love is patient and kind. What do I have to be patient with if we're all doing the exact same thing? I don't know. Uh, love does not envy or boast. What would I have to boast about if we could all do the same thing? If we all had the same talent, the same gifts, the same skills? It's not arrogant or rude. I mean, you can go through it. You just see that they, it's a relational thing that because of our diversities, love is shown through them, right? So, uh, we are being built up in love through our giftedness by the use of the Holy Spirit so that we may use them in love together and ultimately show not only who Jesus was, but who he still is and what he's like. Not only so I can prove it to myself, but that you may see it and that when you use your gifts, I might see it and that when we go from this place, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, that we do all to the glory of God so that the, the whole world would know who Jesus is. And that they would see that they would know who he is because of this kind of love happening through the way we use our spiritual gifts. Right. So, now it's time to try to get it a little more practical, I guess. Um, so we know we're saved because we have believed in Jesus and we're able to say Jesus is Lord. So we don't have to go looking for what our spiritual gifts is, gifts are, is for that reason. Okay, um, but we do have these spiritual gifts so that we, by the Spirit, 
can show each other and others who Jesus is like. So how does this work? Uh, we're going to go back now to, to Corinthians 12 and finish up that, that, the rest of that passage. Uh, so it's 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 31. I know it's, it's a lot of scripture to read, but, you know, he kind of already preached the sermon, so I'm just rereading it, really. So, anyways, all right, 12 through 31. All right, for just as the body is one and has many members, all of the members of the body, through many, though many, are one body. So it is, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are a body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed uh, oops, sorry. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still more excellent way. And then he goes into the love chapter and says, these gifts abide and, and these other gifts don't. Right? We just read that. So, now, here's the problem. Paul pretty much uses the best analogy for, for how this thing works out. right? So I can't come up with another one. So we're just going to kind of talk about the body as we get practical. <laughs> uh, so, I can't, like I said, I can't come up with a better one, so we're going to talk about that. We, but here's my understanding. It makes a lot of sense. It's not like I'm explaining something to you that you can't get. But we each have a brain, right? And our brain tells every part of our body what to do. I think. I'm not in medical school, but that seems about right. Okay. So the brain tells every part of our body what to do. And every part of the body is indeed part of that person, right? So I'm Ben. Nice to meet you. I have a brain. Yes, that's true. I have a brain that tells my mouth to speak. It tells my eyes to see. It tells my hands to wave, my feet to move. It tells my knee to knee or whatever. <laughs> to bend. It tells my knee to bend. Uh, so every, but here's the thing. In every part of my body, uh, it tells all these things to do. My brain commands all these things, and they are all part of me. They are all uh, 
been, right? I mean, my hand is not the whole me, but my whole hand is, is me, right? Uh, it doesn't, my hand couldn't go and ask whether it was a foot or a hand, you know? It just goes about doing what I tell it to do. It knows what it is, and it just does that thing. My mouth is not the whole me. It's not, my mouth is not the whole of Ben, but my whole mouth is, is Ben, right? Um, and my mouth, although it speaks, is never asked whether it's a mouth or a nose. It just stays connected to the brain and does what my brain tells it to do, which oftentimes is not a good thing. Uh, Everything my hand does, or my foot does, or my mouth does, or my eye does, uh, it's not an expression of my hand, foot, mouth, or eye. It's an expression of Ben. Right? Does that make sense? But here's what the Spirit does. He kind of throws a curveball. He kind of changes, kind of reroutes the wiring, I guess. When he enlightens the eyes of your heart to get Jesus so that you can say, Jesus is Lord... That's the rewiring. And all of a sudden, uh, he transforms our mind to be like Jesus and uses our diversities to empower us each with our whole self, which has many parts, to stop expressing who Ben is and to start expressing who Jesus is. So, he starts using the parts of my body and the things that he's given me the ability to do to stop saying who Ben is and start being like Jesus. To start being loving. To start being kind, patient, slow to anger, all those things. Here's the thing. All right, it's, it's about teamwork, right? So at my old job, right, I was uh, kind of a building... I had a couple of different jobs, but it's all been construction-related stuff. In my last job, we did energy conservation things. We'd, like, go to the houses... It was a government deal, and we'd make them energy efficient. That doesn't really matter. But I was kind of a project manager. We did like 50 houses a month, right? And I had like kind of a ragtag uh, group of guys working for me who, uh, you know, were kind of rough. And so I guess in jest, but also kind of for real, I always said teamwork makes the dream work. You know, I'd like make banners and put it up in, in, the, in the warehouse and stuff. It's kind of make fun of them, but also try to get the point across, right? Um, <clears throat> but, it, I mean, teamwork's an amazing thing because uh, whether it's a, like a team at work or a sports team or whatever, uh, real teamwork, it, it always means using all the parts of us that we are used to using to build ourselves up and make ourselves known uh, to, like, put ourselves aside and use all the things that we can do to make something else known. And so that's what I was trying to tap into, of course, when I do the sign, like, teamwork makes a dream work. Come on, guys, stop being about yourselves, and let's get these 50 projects done. And it's only going to work if we do it together. You guys know how that works. Uh, So, yeah, real teamwork always means using all the parts of us that we're used to use, using to build ourselves up, um, and dedicating them to something other than ourselves to make that other thing known, whether it's a sports team or a company name or whatever. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, anybody a soccer fan? I don't know. I was thinking soccer because a lot of times in soccer, you know, 
I mean, they demonstrate team better some, than a lot of other sports. But, you know, Rooney will go catch the cross and head it into the goal. And then he, like, goes sliding across the field, and he's like, you know, he puts his, his jersey up, and it's all about team, right? That's what it is. It's like using the gift you have to headbutt a ball into a goal and then saying, it's all about Manchester United, right? Anyways, that's what we're supposed to be doing with our spiritual gifts. That's all I'm trying to say, right? Is that our spiritual gifts are not, like I said at the beginning, we're not trying to find our spiritual gifts and learn how to use them so that we prove something about ourselves. We find our identity in Christ because the Holy Spirit already enlightened our hearts and gave us the ability to know Jesus, right? No, man, that, that should rewire us and give us the ability to love and be like Jesus so that we can just use the things that we are already doing, things that we're already good at, you know, that we used to use to build ourselves up to now make Jesus known so that, you know, I can preach and hopefully, you know, be like, that's all about Jesus. Um, or whatever, whatever our spiritual gift may be. Uh, anyways, I'm going to move on from that, so... For our gifts to be used rightly, we must be overtaken by the fact that Jesus is Lord, that he has saved us each, that our bodies cannot express anything but love for him, and proclamation of who he is and what he's done. Uh, That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. That's what it means to be walking in the Spirit, right? Uh, That's what it looks like to do those things. It's comprehending how we are loved by Christ, by the power and the ability given us by the Holy Spirit, and completing our joy in his love by expressing it back to him. And I'm not going to get John Piper on you, and we're, we're not going there with a whole discussion, but we are expressive creatures. We were made to express, to be expressive. And so uh, we express our emotions and we express things in different ways. Uh, we could, like I said, we could, we could get, um, that's a deep, long subject, I'm sure, but we're not going to wax on that, I guess. If, what if, this is the only thing I want to consider, what if somebody in your family or a friend who you deeply loved, maybe you don't want to think about this. I'm sorry, I didn't come up with a very good example, maybe. But what if somebody in your family or a friend whom you deeply love develops some horrible disease? What would you do? All right? Somebody you deeply love. Maybe, I just came up with a few options, okay? I don't know what you would do. One, you could strap up your running shoes and run a race and raise some money for them. You know, there's lots of those 5Ks out there for that. And that's awesome. Maybe you would make a dinner for the family. Maybe you make dinner every night for the family. I don't know. Maybe you'd pray for them. Maybe you'd sit next to them. All right? Uh, my point is that you, loving somebody and then seeing them hurt hurts you. And you have to express your love for them. And we all do it in different ways. Some people would run a race. Some people would make them dinner. Somebody would go sit next to the bed. And all those things are good. So what if Jesus caused us to love him and love others like he does? Uh, What would you do then? Recognizing that Jesus is everybody's greatest need, that we are all diseased and sick and dying or dead without him. And those who love and that he loves those people, right? And if you loved like him, you would love them. What then would you do? Would you run a race with somebody to tell them about Jesus? You know, would you make dinner and have a meal with somebody to tell them about Jesus? 
Would you pray with somebody to tell them about Jesus or pray for somebody that their heart would be enlightened to know Jesus? Would you sit with them and tell them about Jesus? We all would express it in different ways. We all do express it in different ways. Right? So, this is uh, the last section. It all comes down to this, right? Um, I just I just did that. Sarah, I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, it really is almost over. That's why I said that. Okay, so, it all comes down to this. Uh, I hope you don't feel ripped off if I don't help you identify what spiritual gifts you have and that I didn't talk about healing miracles and tongues and those, those big hot topic spiritual gifts. Uh, that's just not what we're doing today. Um, like I said, I'm less concerned with which ones you have and which ones are valid or what gifts uh, you know, are, are to help you identify them. I don't think it's a bad idea to identify them. I think you should so that you can be better at expressing your love for Jesus and for others. But I'm more concerned about two things, the two things we mentioned at the beginning. Why do you want to see the Spirit manifest himself in your life through the spiritual gifts? Is it because of your doubt? Is it because you want to have some visual thing that you see where it says, man, the Holy Spirit's definitely in me. I am sealed. I mean, there was fire on my forehead. You know? Or <laughs> do you already know that because you're able to say Jesus is Lord? And so you want to know your spiritual gifts so that you can express your love for Jesus. And two, uh, what should you do with them? The first question we already answered, like I said. Um, number two, since you know he is in you, this is what I want you to do with the second one. What should you do with your gifts? Since you know he's in you, if you're a Christian, partner with or better yet, surrender to the Holy Spirit that you know is in you. And you know that because you can say Jesus is your Savior. And let him continually lead you to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does best, is make Jesus known. And find Jesus loving, like all the loving stuff that's in Corinthians 13. And let him make you loving. And let the love of Jesus inform everything that you do, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. If you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, you won't be able to help but express it through the gifts that he's gifted you with. That's what I'm telling you. Like, you know, when you love somebody who's, who's dying, you, most of us don't have to go sit down and take a test to figure out what, we should, what, our, what we're good at and what we should do. We just do what we were wired to do. If you haven't come to know Jesus yet, if, if all this is, sounds weird and you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know him and you can't say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, well, we pray, I pray for you that the Holy Spirit might enlighten the eyes of your heart to know Jesus. That you would comprehend, because of the Holy Spirit, what is the, the height, the breadth, the depth, and the width of the love of Jesus Christ. That's what Ephesians 3 says that he does. So I pray that for you, and I, and I ask, if you want to know, if you wish that you could say it, pray it. I mean, ask him to do that. Ask him to help you believe. I want to say one thing to that also. If you don't know Jesus, I'm praying for you that the Holy Spirit will, will help you know him. And I ask that you pray that too. But I also want to say this, is that we haven't always represented him well. We don't always represent 1 Corinthians chapter 13 well. 
we're still a work in progress, that's true. And I just ask that you look at what the scripture has, has to say about him and look to Jesus who, was, who did do this perfect and has expressed this love perfectly for you. Because that's who we're clinging to. That's why, we have, that's why I've accepted him. That's why he's my savior is because I can't do it. So don't let, I'm just, I hope that you don't let anything that someone else has done misrepresent him so much that you reject him. We do a poor job, so I'm sorry if that's happened for you. Paul talks about the spiritual gifts in three main places, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians. And he never ends these sections by telling people to figure out their gifts. And in every instance, he refers to the same thing, pursuing love and being kind to one another as the highest gift. So how do you use your gifts? Romans 12 is that last passage uh, that last passage that also talks about this stuff and we're going to look at Romans 12 lastly. Romans 12 uh, verse 9 through 21. We're going to end just, just reading this. Let's let, let this speak to you. This is, I guess, the challenge to go away with. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but, o- but overcome evil with good. Would you pray with me? Now, Father, I thank you for... Uh, and I thank you for Jesus Christ, <laughs> our Savior. I thank you that we can say, Jesus is Lord. That he saved us. That he... He loved rightly. He loved perfectly. He loves us. And he's proved it. He's proved his goodwill towards us. I thank you for the Holy Spirit who's made, who's enlightened the eyes of my heart to see that. Father, I pray that as we have identified that the Holy Spirit is in us, causing us to see Jesus, to make him known, that we would be challenged to meet him there and to pursue him there and to be changed. I pray that you would change us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us the ability to love like Jesus, to love each other like Jesus, that, that all the spiritual gifts, that yes, we need to identify our spiritual gifts, but that what, the way we wield them, if you will, would be with love and for the purpose of making Jesus great and not for finding out who we are. Anyways, 
Father, I just pray that you make yourself known through this body at Redemption Church and that you continue to teach us to, as we look to Jesus, to be humble and to, to bear with one another in love. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.